Hello and welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions, episode 57. I'm Michelle Hawk. I'm here with my shaman sister, Catherine Bird. And together we offer this podcast to those seekers, practitioners, and students of life on the path of science. No, why did I say science? That's next week. Spirituality. By the way, next week we're talking about the intersection of science and spirituality. There you go. But today we're still on emotional release and catharsis. Catherine and I have been friends for, now she's just laughing at me. Kat and I have been friends for several years. And we came into this practice in, in a really interesting way together. We noticed a lot of parallels in our work. We immediately felt a very deep connection and became fast friends and and sisters really so this offering is a little bit of an insight into our personal and professional experiences of what does it mean to be a shaman on the path what does it mean to do this work in the world and how are we those of us doing this work every day committing ourselves even more deeply to be of service so Kat how are you doing um I am I'm really good I'm really good like I, I said I spent all morning cleaning my altar and um not, uh, you know, doing work, work stuff, computery, computery stuff. Um, and that was, that was really nice and really sweet. I just like very calm morning of, uh, dusting and cleaning little things and putting them back in their places. So wonderful. Uh, so it's a yeah. good day for me. <laughs> Absolutely, really devotion to the, the sacred space and the components that support our work in the world. So my altar is totally due for, all of my altars actually, let's be honest, there's more than one, are due for a deep clean. So, uh, so today we are speaking about emotional release and catharsis. This is something that Kat and I have had on our topic list. You know, we've got kind of our, our spreadsheets, our documents for this podcast, and we've had the emotional work on there for quite a while, and we haven't done it yet. And yet this is one of the really incredibly vital components of what it means to do this work. There's so much work in the emotional field, especially if you're working with any trauma in the body, any trauma at all. Uh, and you know whether you're a body worker, a counselor, a therapist, a coach, anything at all, we work in the emotional field. And so this is one of those very long overdue topics. I mean, quite frankly, I feel that way about all of our topics, but you know we've we've only got one per week. So let's jump on in. <laughs> yeah, it's always we have the topic and we're like, wait, we haven't talked about this yet. Oh my gosh, how could we not have talked about this? It's so important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're talking about we're all working within the emotional field, that's, that's so right. It's so correct. And, um, you know, so many of our issues, our illnesses, uh, things that come up for us uh, in our physical body are because of repressed and held and stored emotions that slowly come in and start to basically poison the system and create issues later on. And then we're trying to kind of unwind all of this stuff. And, and there's so many different ways to do that. And, uh, you know, not one way is necessarily better than another way. Uh, and, and people get um, results from so many different so, so many different modalities, right? Through body work and somatic work, through therapy and, and 
um, you know, energy work, through shamanic work, through childhood work, medicine work, like everything, everything can go into these things and, um, and, and help us release these old stuck emotions and energies. But when we're talking about emotional release and catharsis, like what, like, what is that? What does it mean really? Sure. So, so you mentioned the, um, the aspect of old trauma or old emotional residue coming in, making its way and eventually landing in the body. So this is something actually that they have been able to measure, you know, in terms of the energetic field, the auric field, if you are experiencing an extreme illness or some dis-ease in the body, they have said, look at what was happening six to, six to nine months ago in your life. And quite often we can correlate, hey, you know, seven months ago I went through one of the hardest breakups of my life and now all of a sudden I have this like really intense um, pneumonia or something. Well, the lungs are the seat of grief in the body and maybe there was so much grief, some of it went unprocessed, or maybe we repressed it or whatever, and now it's landing in the physical form. So that's an invitation to you to look at, you know, if you're noticing any of these extreme physical symptoms, or maybe there's a, you know, a big ripple of change in your life, start looking at what was going on six to nine months ago in your life that had an emotional effect that maybe wasn't fully processed. And so when we're speaking about doing emotional work there this has a lot of different manifestations we have people who are working with this from the practitioner side of very much on purpose leading our clients through emotional release exercises uh, releasing trauma from the body releasing emotion trapped in the tissues and then we also have this from the non-practitioner side of just what does it mean to be an empathic person in the world there are so many non-practitioner humans who are working in deep service of translating and grounding through and processing the emotions of the collective consciousness. Yeah, and this is so important and so vital, um, you know, as individuals and then also as practitioners to be able to, you know, look at someone and assess someone. And sometimes people haven't had a big thing that's going on, but they work in a toxic environment or their family is... Uh, actually processing and storing oh shoot okay let me find let me go find my headphones but they're storing emotions for other people right and so being able to have some extra tools in you know how we're addressing um our emotions and this kind of emotional residue that we're all living in is really important for our health and well-being i'll be right back mm -hmm. Okay. Well, and, and on that note, you know, I'm sure everyone tuning in, uh, you know, whether no matter which phase of your personal and spiritual awareness you're in, we've all had that experience of all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I feel, I feel so much and I don't know why it doesn't feel like mine. And this is part of that, you know, that collective emotional residue, that collective there are so many people doing grief work, like, you know, charity grief work in the world, because there are so many people who don't know how to process their emotions. They're, and that's really from the, the empathic, you know, non-practitioner, just being a human in the world, a sensitive human in the world, when we shove down our emotions, it impacts everybody. It doesn't just impact us. And, <laughs> yeah. and other people have to feel that shit. 
And also when we are not processing our emotions in a way that's, that's, uh, you know, like healthy, then we're out, you know, at the store or on the road or, you know, coming in contact with someone and they do something stupid to us and we just let it loose on them. And now we've sort of thrown our, our energetic emotional knives at someone else. And, and now they're embedded with our, our deep seated anger and emotions. And now they're carrying around that stuff and they don't know how to process it. So it's this continuous uh, cycle of occurrence. And the other thing that is important to realize is that there is, we're also operating within a kind of a like attracts like experience around emotions that if in your field, you're holding a lot of anger or a lot of fear or, um, you know, any kind of grief, whatever it is, it's like, you know, there are little bubbles there and the emotional energy that's being released by other people just out into the atmosphere is actually attracted. So like attracts like, and it will, it's like, oh, there's more of me. I'll, I'll just go hang out there with that other anger. I'll go hang out there with that other fear, which is why you meet people who are just full on expressions of one particular emotion. And it's like, they can't even move out of that emotion to find any other emotion, uh, which is, is often this fascinating um, and not very pleasant experience to uh, to to come in contact with. Mm -hmm. This is something that I describe to my clients, both in in the human sense and also in the animal sense of like, what is the emotional barometer? You know, is there a range, or is it zero to rage? You know, or zero to freak out? And and a lot of people have nothing in between. And that's cat. That's exactly what you're speaking to. Is like when when we're creating our neural pathways. You know, both intellectually wiring our nervous system and then also the energetic pathways of how are we conducting our energy when it goes in the same path all the time think about you know if you have little trickles of water on the dirt wherever you run the water through eventually that's where the giant channel of water is going to be and water is not going to go anywhere else so the same works energetically and emotionally is if you default to being pissed off you're going to flush so much energy through your pissed off channel that that's all you're ever going to feel. Really? Absolutely. And, and there's, you know, these are really ingrained. They come from our parents. And I know for me, I, I come from a home where there was a lot of rage. There's a lot of, you know, taking things personally. There's a lot of emotional uh, spewing. There's a lot of intensity. And, I, I see that in myself. I see myself taking things really personally. I see myself where I become heightened, very emotional, very quickly. Michelle knows sometimes I call her and I'm just like, ah, and you know, it, it, it's fair. It's it okay. takes, <laughs> it takes, you know, it, it takes something and, and it, it's like a continuous process of, Oh, okay. Am I doing that again? All right. What, what, what else could I do? And how else can I handle these emotions? And, a more uh, constructive, healthy way, not so that I'm not ever feeling them and not ever expressing them and pushing them down and holding them in and just being good by not having these negative emotions that we're calling, um, but 
actually giving myself pathways towards expression in a way that's going to help me to release them, to uh, process them, and to hopefully move on and do something new next time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you just hit upon a couple of the tools that we're going to be offering later of how do we move through this and, and how do we have this emotional release and catharsis? The um, Let's talk for a minute about the why. I mean, I think some of the whys are pretty darn apparent of like, we don't want to be in pissed off mode all the time or whatever other uh, emotional pathway we create for ourselves. And in addition to the, that just impacts on our own emotional health and well-being, having a healthy range of emotion, you know, there's, I really hesitate even to use the word negative emotion. I mean, I know that that's, you know, kind of our broad sweeps classification of like, we have positive emotions like joy, happiness, pleasure, uh, well-being, and we have negative emotions. And yet there is so much power and value in having a healthy relationship with our so-called negative emotions that I really hesitate to even use that label because that's implying that we shouldn't feel them or that they're bad. And they're not. They're not bad. They're not wrong. It's a normal part of the human experience. So I think having that extra layer of compassion around this is something that I am feeling because I need to learn something or because the reason that I'm feeling any negative emotion is because something's out of alignment in some way. Right. There's a reason for feeling anger. Like, oh, I'm angry. Okay. Well, maybe it's because this is, you know, this is what's going on. This needs to change in my life or I need to speak up for myself. I know that's for me. Like, I'm like, I'm really angry. Well, what's going on? Well, actually, I am not telling somebody something that is impacting me and that's making me angry. Uh, okay. So how can I, you know, shift that? But you're right. It's, it's, you know, we, we like to put things in boxes and label them and say good, bad, and then how do you deal with those, right? And we're not taught as children oftentimes how to have relationships with our emotions that are healthy and honoring and inclusive. Um, you know, for a lot of us, we're told, you know, to stop being that way, stop doing that thing, stop behaving that way. Uh, when we're truly just expressing our, you know, emotional experience in that, in that moment. And, and when we're not given space for that, we also learn that's bad. I'm not going to give space for it. So let me just shut it down and push it in and hold it, hold the tight lid on it and try to control it. And the truth is like with emotions, it's energy. So you can only control it for a certain amount of time before something is going to come to the surface or it's going to bury itself so deeply that it creates an issue later on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Kat, have you seen Inside Out, the movie? Is that the cartoon? Yeah, the cartoon movie yeah. about emotions. No. no? It's no. pretty cool. And so if you haven't seen it and any of you watching or listening in, also, if you haven't seen Inside Out, I do recommend it. It's really cute. I loved it. And it's speaking to a little bit of what we're talking about today in a, you know, a very sort of like universally friendly way of like, hey, feelings are natural and they're good. And I mean, it, there is more to it than that, but it's great. <laughs> um, so, so again, with these, we're not suppressing, we're not um, you know, we're not viewing as negative. We're allowing ourselves to feel as long as we're having a healthy relationship with that emotion, which will ultimately, you know, so as the talking about the kind of six to nine months to have 
a vibration into your field before it lands in the physical body, we're still going to have these experiences. That's the thing, you know. So again, using the example of um, okay, so seven months ago I went through one of the, and this is an example. Seven months ago I went through a really terrible breakup, and the difference between having it land in the physical body as a really, uh, a really harsh physical symptom of dis-ease or illness or not having anything happen is what you do with the emotions around that. If you process it fully and if you release the charge from your field, you still have the things happen, but it's not held with so much intensity, not held with this vibration of harm. And it's the vibration of harm that causes the dis-ease in the body. So that's, that's the difference is you still have the thing happen and it still filters into your field. But instead of having something seven months ago come in with all this, this anger and this betrayal and grief or whatever the feelings are and have that land in your body, you have here's a time when I was really compassionate to myself. And here's a time when I allowed myself to grieve and I fully went through this experience and I came out the other side a stronger person, more committed to my own health and well-being. And that's the thing that lands in your body. Yeah, exactly. So, so the whys are fairly clear. It's there's first our own individual implications on our health and well-being in the future. Uh, you know, it it can be said that like I I have heard it said that like cancer is all like is all an emotional issue. That it is stuff that's been in the field for a long time that comes in and just starts to eat everything away. Um, that that lots of physical issues start off as emotionally, you know, emotions that have been suppressed and trauma that hasn't been dealt with and, and these things. So there's our own physical health and vitality. There's our relationships. So our relationships with others, because those emotions and things they want out, like they want it to be expressed. So they're going to find, oh, uh, you're not respecting me. You're not loving me. So I'm going to be angry. I'm going to be grieving. I'm going to have this outburst in the relationship and, and damage the relationship in some kind of way. Um, or, or here's a really common one actually is for whatever reason I feel unworthy or incapable of receiving love or as though I don't deserve to be to in relationship or whatever. And so then we create circumstances lashing out at our partners or our friends or our family to make that a real circumstance, you know? So if we're going around pissing people off, then they're not going to want to be around us, which proves to us whatever vision we have for ourselves. Right. So it works in that way too. Uh, another piece is that actually um, taking this into the, the heightened into the spiritual realms is that beings who are holding that as their vibrational frequency will be attracted to people who are also holding that as their vibrational frequency, which can make it more likely for, you know, these kind of entity attachments and sort of beings hanging around kind of mucking up the space with their negative influences and thought patterns of like, hey, this is, this is my vibration. I'm going to hang out here and uh, contributing to that as the experience. So not to create fear in any kind of way, but we're living in a very multidimensional experience here and there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And I recommend, especially for those practitioners, as you are calling in beings or as you are putting up the antenna, so to speak, in these realms, 
I don't remember which episode. It was one of the channeling episodes, I believe, in which we covered a lot of the safety around yeah. that, around attracting the kinds of beings that you actually want to work with. Yeah, check out that. We have several channeling episodes that are amazing. So uh, go back and check those out. Absolutely. The As far as the collective field goes, this is something that I know a lot of people, you know, are waking up more and more to their sensitivity, to their empathy every day. And this is one of the things that is really being processed subconsciously mm-hmm. until we know about it, until we learn and know exactly what we're doing. And then it's kind of like, okay, how can I be more conscious about how I am being of service and doing emotional charity work for the planet? So I want to yeah. talk about this for a little bit. Yeah, please, because there are so many grief workers out there mm-hmm. who are are part of the collective processing and without knowing that, without being like, oh, that's a thing, that's a concept, okay, am I tuning into this? Am I doing collective grief work? Uh, Am I clearing stuff for others? Am I clearing stuff for the collective? It can feel so confusing, like, oh, I am just, there's something wrong with me, I'm broken, I'm depressed, I'm, I'm just a mess, I can't get my shit together. Uh, instead of it like, oh, this is actually, this is a service. This is a superpower. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working and then maybe saying, Hey, I'm not working right now. Giving Mm -hmm. ourselves a break and and letting ourselves uh, process things more gently on our system. So that's super important. Yeah. So you might be a grief worker if you watch the news and break into tears or you read about you know, animals or natural disasters or something in the world and have a very visceral response. If you are suffering from depression or some other uh, in that spectrum of quote unquote mental illness or some disorder again, quote unquote, um, or if you have a very, I would say a strong emotional response to what we're seeing in, in the sociopolitical sphere or other global or societal stuff. Or even if you're just driving down the street and you, and you see a homeless person and it just makes you like, you know, you have a very emotional response. This, you know, again, you're an empath. Hey, in case you didn't know. <laughs> hey, you're an empath. But this is, this is almost like the subdivision special breed. Like this is like as we subdivide our, our superpowers down into, you know, the X-Men categories. Uh, this is a this is a specific superpower that some people are are having, and um, it also can be it can be helpful to also track. Uh, sometimes you might wake up in the morning and you're just like, oh, tears, and I'm crying all day, and then find out, oh, there was a massive earthquake, and all of these people died, or there was this this tragedy. I didn't even know what's happening, but this you know this day this thing went down. Um, that's a really good way to to track this as well. Yeah, grief work is one of those the most I think visceral examples, and where for whatever reason we get sucked into this experience that doesn't belong to us, and yet it does because we are participating as other beings on the planet. So this is one. It is a beautiful service. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't do this, but we're going to give you some healthier tools. Healthy, yeah, not to get totally, because you don't want your life to be derailed by this. And, right. and also to consider that this, 
this was a community service at, at one point before the church came in and said, no more mourners and no more wailing and no more freaking out at funerals. There was actually a decree that was put, it was a whole put into effect that only these priests would be able to do certain things and people weren't allowed to have these huge emotional responses at funerals. Um, there were people in the community, you know, who were, who came in who maybe didn't even have that close of a relationship with the person who had died, but they were wailing, moaning, crying, beating their, ripping their hair. And there's this. Oh my goodness. That was such a long pause. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That was such a long pause. Sorry, everybody. Oh, that's okay. Thanks for bearing with us. It doesn't happen often, but that's I okay. realize, you know, um, mm -hmm. we've had, that's okay. We've had huge storms here. We've had, we've had some pretty intense uh, storms here and that's kind of the, <laughs> like kind of the marker of my internet stability. <laughs> okay. No. Um, and so, so please continue with what were you saying about the um, the funerals, the church services, the grieving aspect there? The, there were people who would come and just grieve. They would grieve and grieve and grieve for helping to move the energy, the, to move the energy for the family and the people who had lost this person and for this person to give them energy to get to the the next phase of after after death. And so this is a natural human phenomenon is emotional release and letting things out and moving the energy through our systems and our bodies. We don't have a place for it. There aren't, there are, there are some places, um, i trying to remember, there are some places in the world who still engage in these practices, but in Western, we've completely lost touch with this, this part of, of that but we're still being born as those kinds of individuals. So here we are trying to deal with ourselves in the midst of, you know, current, current insanity that we have on the planet. Current, current state of being telling us not to show weakness by, by not being emotional. And, and there's a lot of languaging and there's a lot of imagery in the collective consciousness that tells us not to be emotional, that emotional is a bad thing, especially that uh, you know, associating being emotional with being a woman or being like a girl, and and everything that's come with that. So that's an entirely separate topic about you know the the patriarchy and the feminine and masculine and all that. And we've we've got episodes on that too. But uh, in terms of doing the grief work, it the grief work is so important, and the processing of these emotions is so important because it reduces the emotional charge felt by the collective consciousness or felt by the family or um, again in that kind of uh, going back to the six to nine months sphere we can actually reduce the emotional charge of somebody else's trauma by helping process the trauma or the emotions surrounded through our own systems wow so i mean then just like like really let yourself have that one right that you know the the how much of an effect on on our communities and and on other people that we can have by allowing ourselves to go through these processes 
to honor them, to respect them, to work with them in, in a healthy way. It's, it's so powerful. Mm -hmm. So that is a way that by doing grief work or by working in emotional catharsis, not only for ourselves, but for other people. And so, you know, if, if you're feeling, you know, again, that empathy, like, okay, your, your best friend is having a terrible day and, and is really heartbroken and feels sad. Okay. Help bleed off some of that emotion in from a place of safety. So we're going to get into some tools and techniques of how to do this work safety safely and well, so that it doesn't stick in the body so that it doesn't hold trauma so that your auric field is really clear and that you can do this work from a place of energetic integrity. So that's, I mean, that's really the big piece right there is, is safety. And in order, so much of what we're, let's go back to this kind of negative emotion spectrum over here. So anger, grief, sadness, heartbreak, um, feeling unworthiness, like self-deprecating, victim energy, like all of these, these and, and their associated emotions put us in a feeling of being unsafe, fear, Right. Also, like when we're feeling fear, we feel as though our physical safety is compromised because that's how we're hardwired. And yet almost never is that the case. Almost never. And so the number one recommendation that I have for you is to establish a sense of safety in which you know that you're totally okay, you are completely supported, you are, maybe your feeling of being safe is like being at home by yourself so you can cry and make whatever noise you need to and you know, nobody's gonna wonder, be wondering if you're okay or knocking on the door and asking you questions, just whatever you need to feel totally safe so that you can actually feel the thing as opposed to squishing it down or putting it away. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say that uh, in, I've had a lot of conversations at different times with clients uh, talking about this, and the first uniform reaction is, I can't, couldn't possibly. Like, people will hear me, my neighbors will, will call the police, they'll worry about me. And I will tell you that, like, think of, like, the loudest people you've ever heard have sex Nobody's calling the police on them. Like, nobody's listening to you. Nobody cares what you're doing. Like, nobody really, you can scream and moan and cry and roll around on the floor. And I mean, I can't tell you how friggin' loud I have been in cities and apartments and, and just everywhere, my, you know, for so long. And have never had anybody show up at my door and be like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing in there? Why are you crying so loud? Um, <laughs> Right. And so, so any of that fear that we're putting on ourselves is, is usually, um, you know, a fear of what happens if somebody thinks I'm crazy or doing something wrong. And, and really that's again, a little bit of that fear of what happens if I truly let myself experience my emotions, because let's, you know, why do people not do this? Let's look at that too, of like, why, why do we not allow ourselves to feel this, you know, kind of number one, sort of the social acceptability of it, and again, the signs of weakness of being emotional. Um, number two, like, is anyone gonna think, you know, if I actually cry, if I were to actually display what I'm feeling right now, I don't wanna make other people uncomfortable. That's another big one. Mm -hmm. mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, it's a lot around what other people are gonna think about us, that somebody's gonna think I'm crazy, then somebody's gonna like, wanna come in, you know, <laughs> do something to me or for me or, or whatever and, and try to change this. 
Um, and I think the other thing is that I will go crazy. That if I actually feel everything that I've been shoving down for all of these years, I will absolutely lose my mind. And mm -hmm. that, is a, that is a fear that comes up for people. Yeah, that if I actually feeling it, am I going to make it worse? And I've actually, I've never seen that happen ever. <laughs> never. Like, I've never seen by like actually letting yourself feel the thing that you've been shutting down. Like 100% of the time people feel better. No, not right away. Sometimes it might take a while. It's like, you might be in it for a minute and, um, and, and to know that there is, you know, there's something on the other side, you will get through it. This too shall pass. And okay, this is what it feels like to feel feelings. All right. And, um, you know, I did men's work for years, uh, coaching men, and it was uh, one of the largest components of the work was uh, being able to track and name feelings that were happening and then to express them. It was very uncommon that, uh, that, that men had a real relationship to their feelings or to how to healthily express them. It was a very narrow um, a concept of what certain feelings were to be able to even understand them as they were moving through them. And then to actually let them out in a way was just, no, that doesn't happen. That's not going to, that's not going to occur. So it, it happens to all of us. We've all been shut down. Um, people have said things and we've experienced things that have kept us, kept us small. So where are we? Why do people not? Okay. Uh, yeah. anything else? Um, yeah, well, we've spoken a lot from the side of feeling all the things and you're bringing up a really important point of like, there are people out there who feel nothing or feel yeah. very little. And so that's, I mean, this is equally as important of, and yet some of the tools are going to be exactly the same. So number one, for these people also just as much for the people of like, who are in danger of feeling everything or overrun with emotions and the people who are not number one, create a space where you feel safe, where you know that, okay, it is safe for me to go into this space of experiencing an emotion. And I know that my physical safety is in no way compromised. I am not in any danger. I am held. I'm in my favorite pajamas. I've got my blankets. I've got my tea or my bo giant box of tissues or, or I'm off in the woods like screaming and right, like whatever you need to, yeah. to have a safe experience for and, you. And sometimes that means, hey, honey, I really need you to take the kids to the movies. I need, I need some space today. Uh, some people need to go and be in their car and drive off someplace and just like sit in their car because for, for some people, you know, parents and stuff, it's like they, there's no alone time that doesn't exist. So, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it is creation, creating that space, creating that container. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The, uh, and that sense of safety, I would extend beyond this a little bit. So this is kind of step two is that safety that we're creating within ourselves of, I give myself permission to go there and I give myself permission. Like, I don't know what I'm going to look like when I am in the midst of feeling this incredible earth shattering grief. And I don't know who I am in that moment, but, and, and that's kind of scary too. Like who, who are we when we're experiencing tremendous loss or when we're, you know, you know, what does it sound like? And often this is one thing that I hear from people and, you know, as they're experiencing these things and the sounds that move through us to move this energy are 
otherworldly and they don't sound anything like who we are because it's raw energy, it's raw emotion. And I've had this, I've noticed this for myself and I've seen this in other people and, and had other people share this with me is like, I didn't know that I could scream like that. Mm -hmm. you know? And it scared the shit out of me actually a little bit. I mean, afterwards more. And when I was in the moment, I was just kind of letting it go. And then afterwards it was like, whoa, that was, that was intense. Like that kind of shocked me a little bit. And so letting ourselves feel safe enough to see a different side of ourselves in our most raw, vulnerable, visceral moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, another, another, uh, thing is to like, like get momentum, <laughs> right? Movement, movement is important. So it's, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to just sit here and let myself feel something is, you know, one thing, but like not forcing ourselves to like, oh, I've got to feel this thing. I've got to like dredge into my past and like make myself feel stuff. It's like, no, you don't really have to like, it doesn't have to be this big drudgery work thing. Like it's like using, you know, putting on loud music that's moving and dancing and letting your body move and, and tapping really strong and shaking and, uh, like letting the energy move through your body and then feeling into your body, okay, where maybe are there any emotions in here? Is there anything here that wants to be expressed? Is it, is it, you know, what, what is it? What wants to be expressed? If you want to be expressed out of my system, let's do it now. Let's go for it. And um, it's not always going to be negative like the negative emotions, right? Those, those on that side, it, you might start laughing and, and hysterically. And maybe what you need is to actually express just joy and, and, and that, that part of who you are. And maybe you're going to be crying and laughing at the same time and having every emotion move through you and being confused as to what it is because we are constantly trying to name everything and place everything and say, oh, this is because when I was five, this happened to me. And this is because my boyfriend broke up with me. And this is because of this. And dropping the because and the story is one of the most important things that you can do is just like, oh, no, this is just an emotion. I'm just feeling it and it's happening. And Maybe it's a test of something. Maybe it's not. Maybe a memory comes up. Just let it wash through and like not attach to it. Just let it go. Let it keep moving. Keep moving the energy. Keep moving the body. Moving, breathing deeply. Moving the energy of the emotion, right? Because we're trying to release stuck and stagnant energetics. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The movement practice is huge. And I remember years and years ago before I was as well versed in this, that's what I would do to move energy whenever I was feeling like I had a crunchy conversation with somebody or I was feeling whatever I was feeling, you know, like you said, Kat, joy. I was feeling just really excited about life. I was feeling, um, you know, really angry or whatever. I would go for a run. And I would just let it move through me and with my breath, I would kind of cycle it through and let it expand and let myself discover different, different facets of, of the feeling of it so that it could be fully 
witnessed and processed. And I think when we're talking about emotional processing and moving it through, let's talk about what that means a little bit too. So there's the, I am generally not of the school of thought of like, you know, especially when it comes to really significant trauma. So for example, if someone went through some really terrible abuse or some very traumatic situation, there are certain schools of thought such as hypnotherapy or, um, or other like somatic counseling that invite you to go back to that moment and feel it like it's happening right now. And I don't love that. I don't know if that's necessary. And, and I've never really prescribed that or worked with that with my clients because I think that that can actually be more damaging than, um, than feeling, okay, how can we feel it from this standpoint of safety as who you are right now in this moment, not who you were as a four-year-old child being abused by your uncle or whatever the deal was. And so that's, that's my opinion on that. I know that goes against a lot of different philosophies around it that say like, you have to go back, but I don't think you do. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of re reconsidering reconsideration of sort of the psychoanalysis uh, process in recent years in terms of trauma and um, you know neural pathways and the the way that we actually release trauma, which often is somatically, but doesn't necessarily have to be tied into re-experiencing the memory. Um, which is why I'm saying like this, it just like don't attach to the stuff as it comes up. It's just like, oh, it's just slide. It's like Tinder. It's just like, keep, keep going, keep swiping, <laughs> keep swiping because it's just like, okay, just let it move through. And I know that, um, you know, we can, we can get stuck in places as we're moving through this. I know, uh, there've been times when maybe I've gotten stuck like in past life things where it's like, oh, it's so intense and I'm having these visions and I'm seeing myself as this person and this thing is happening and, uh, and I'm processing the emotions from that time, that can sometimes be so um, profound and intense. And if we get so caught up in that being the story of who we are, right? It's the story of who we are. Uh, we can make decisions about ourselves and how we live our lives kind of kind of the way that you know we can make a decision about anything that any sort of psychic or person tells us oh this happened to you or this is who you are or, this is your past life and then we start building everything about that um, not having attachment to these things is really helpful <laughs> absolutely so the not having too much attachment. I like the swipe metaphor, like just swipe the emotions through, just let it keep rolling. Absolutely. And, and within that, giving yourself space to, I would say, remain grounded in your present, your present experience mm -hmm. while letting yourself feel the the thing and so it's like kind of bridging the gap there and so for that i would recommend and i have recommended to people you know especially if they're revisiting something that's really uncomfortable you know if they're doing it in the context of a session with me i'm right there i'm holding them through it the whole time you know there's that like you are here you are safe you are grounded it is totally safe for you to to touch this memory to feel into this knowing that you are here in this body right now in this moment in this very safe circumstance and yet if people are doing this work on their own one of the things that I have recommended to them is have something with you something tangible some symbol of 
I am safe and I am right now that you can have with you. So whether it's like a certain blanket you have or a favorite crystal or something that you can hold onto that is your lifeline, so to speak, of I am grounded in this body, I am safe, I am in my, my self, and it's okay for me to go play and, and do some work in these other realms that might feel really intense to me because I know I've got this thing in my hand that I can come back to in a blink of an eye and I am here. I'm me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would love to talk just for a second, Michelle, because I'm, I'm just thinking about how, um, you know, uh, I know for me sometimes this happens and I've, I've seen you have this happen when you are as the practitioner and where like all of a sudden you're maybe having this huge emotional kind of like release happening in the midst of working with somebody, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, in those moments there's, it's a combination where I'm, I'm feeling something, but it's, it's almost like the shadow of the unexpressed or unfelt emotion that they're having. And that comes through either in, um, I remember even during the, uh, doing some work with you on somebody, just, I started making crying noises and I wasn't crying. I didn't yeah. have any tears coming out, but I started making the sounds of somebody weeping mm -hmm. because there was so much sorrow that it was just moving it through the sound. And then the person that I was working on started crying and started having tears prompted by me moving that energy through the emotional system so that they could feel it with me bleeding off some of the charge around it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to speak to that for a second because I know that that's, that is something that happens and that might be, that might be confusing sometimes to <laughs> some people if that happens to you in a session. Absolutely. And that's one of the ways, again, remember we can bleed off the emotional charge, the intensity for other people and also for animals too. I mean, I've done this in the context of, working with animals who have experienced trauma or abuse or neglect. And there, I, you know, walk into the stall of a, a rescue horse and get hit with this wave of like sadness and grief and anger and just take a moment to breathe it down and say like, okay, this is, this is not mine. This is one of those, uh, a tool for practitioners or for people who are doing this work as grief workers or in the field in some way, identify this is not my emotion. It is safe for me to feel this emotion and I move it through me and I release it completely. So there's this, you know, cause we don't want to take on for other people. We want to no. move it through the system for other people. And that's and, so important. Yeah. And that's kind of that difference in, in the catharsis. And I mean, Kat, you're so good at this. Will you speak to that a little bit? Like what is that transmutation process like? That we're, you know, that we're really moving things through right? We're not holding on to, we're not holding out on, we're, we're allowing things to move through to be processed and released and let go. And we're giving ourselves permission for that to be however it is. Um, you know, uh, Osho, who created dynamic meditation, um, which is, I mean, you can, you can look on YouTube and get our long dynamic meditations, which is a lot of movement um, and different kinds of dancing and super high energy. 
um, he he said that the Western psychology was was you know too sick to actually just sit and meditate. That our mind was so full of our past trauma and these issues that we have uh, growing up in, in our society that it's not fair to ask us just to sit down and meditate because we'll be so consumed by our thoughts and so consumed by our past that we can't ever actually experience the truth of meditation. And so that it's important for us to move through the energetics, to move our body, to make sound, to breathe, to go a little freakadoo sometimes in order to reach a point of stillness. Absolutely. I think that's really important. And in that moving through that transmutation aspect. And as we're, you know, as we're doing so, let's remember intention is our most powerful tool and intention is everything. So as we go into this work intending, please, you know, call in your guides, please support me in being of service, or please support me in moving this emotion through me in a healthy way, so that I can process it completely and release it back to spirit, release it back to source. Because remember, emotions are pure energy. So just like you would move any other energy, like you would move pain, you would process trauma from the physical perspective, or you would do energy clearings on the chakras, emotions work the exact same way. So surrendering it back to source where it may be transmuted into light and love of the highest vibration. Awesome. Yay. Um, <clears throat> also, I'll just say another uh, important aspect of it, this is that this is one of the things that keeps the channel open, that purifies our system. It's, it's, it, a lot of it is a purification process and uh, it gives space. It creates more room in our field, it creates more space for other healing energy to move through us, for other, you know, other work to come through us. It's not being, you know, stopped by this, you know, emotions that are sort of old, repressed, stuck energetics. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's super important. And for anyone who, who is doing this work in the field, especially if you are working with other people's energy systems very consciously, it is vitally important to do this clearing work. It's vitally important to do uh, this processing and be really aware of what is yours and what is not yours. Because the more you are in tune with your own emotional body, the easier it will be for you to work in anyone else's emotional field. Absolutely. Like it, you, you really can't be present with uh, an emotion in someone else if you're not able to be present with it in yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's like, you know, I mean, that's why people aren't able to hold other people's emotions because they're like, ah, yeah, I don't know how to feel that. I don't know what to do with that. Can I fix it real quick? Right. Yeah. And we don't like being uncomfortable. This is one of those things. And actually I was just uh, yesterday, just speaking with someone at, about this aspect of be, being okay, being uncomfortable. And this person was having a really hard afternoon, you know, had gotten a, um, an unwelcome sort of message from somebody cl close to them in their life, and they were taking it really personally. And so I was speaking with this person about, um, you know, how can you let yourself feel what you're feeling and really process it through and just, and also be okay, not trying to fix anything because it's, it's so natural that we want to fix it. We want to just like, let it go. We want it to not hurt us anymore. 
And yet, the better we get at being uncomfortable and cultivating that sense of safety, the bigger our capacity will be to not have these emotions rock us so hard, you know? And so there's, you know, maybe the analogy, I'm trying to think of like what would an appropriate analogy be is like, you know, if we're, if we've got a little tiny, like handheld sized boat in, in a perfectly still lake, then it's going to be fine. But as soon as you get these little tiny ripples, the boat's going to be rocked and it's going to sink. And so if your capacity is that much bigger and like you have a bigger sense of safety, a bigger sense of awareness of like, okay, I'm okay. Even when I've got these big, big waves rolling through, I'm just going to kind of hunker down and know that this storm will pass. And it is okay for me to be feeling these things. I give myself permission to be uncomfortable right now. That's a highly valuable tool. And I know I've mentioned that in other episodes before, <laughs> but it's, I, that's a very, very important skill is to be okay being uncomfortable and know that we're safe anyway. Yeah. Absolutely, Michelle. So good. Yes. <laughs> All right. Any final uh, tips and, and uh, tools for people? Hmm. I think the... <sighs> I want to leave people with the um, a little bit of a return to kind of the societal implications and the planetary implications of doing this work is that the more we can come into great awareness of our own emotional spectrum and have a healthy relationship with these so-called negative emotions and kind of rebrand them, so to speak, for the collective consciousness, what we're doing is not only impacting us and modeling healthy emotional response and, and catharsis for other people, but also revisioning the relationship that we as a society have with our emotions in the first place. And so making it acceptable to feel these negative emotions will help everybody. It will help absolutely everyone. And so start by, and again, we always start with ourselves. So before we as a planet can have a healthier relationship with our emotional bodies and have it be okay to feel, we have to give that permission to ourselves. So that's what I would offer people as a, a first step is really give yourself permission to actually feel and have a healthy relationship with your entire emotional experience. Absolutely. And I would also say, uh, you know, teach children about it. <laughs> would be it would be amazing. It would be amazing if we had uh, people who grew up who weren't as repressed and, and shut down and didn't need to go through so much, uh, you know, healing work in order to find the, you know, the stable place. But that, you know, that, that people start to understand, oh, emotions, they're, they're a thing. Let's, let's mm -hmm. feel them. It's all right. And um, I'm not broken because I have emotions. I'm not wrong because I have emotions. And uh, yeah, let's, let's make it fun. Like we can, we can make this stuff fun uh, and uncomfortably fun. Fun, comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Fun, comfortable. Fun, comfortable. And one last thing I want to add is, the better we get at this and the bigger the capacity we have, the less we're going to be rocked by the little stuff. 
you know so again let's go back to that idea of if you have the little tiny tiny boat like it's gonna be the little waves kicking your ass all the time and yet if you have this uh, and so like all the little things we're just gonna feel everything and yet if you have this big capacity this really big boat you're going to be okay you're going to not have this you know, unpleasant response or, or, you know, a visceral response to some of these smaller triggers. So it's a, a way of just kind of maintaining that equanimity, that sort of Zen peaceful place and way of being in our lives. When we have a much bigger spectrum, there's so much room to play. But if our spectrum is this big, then any trigger that's outside of this range that we have is going to feel earth shattering. As opposed to if our spectrum is this big, then we've got a lot more room to go in here and a lot more space to feel without feeling overwhelmed. Yeah. And, you know, set and setting. <laughs> huh? Set and setting. I mean, you know, for, for everything, right? Like, okay, maybe this isn't the best time to go here. <laughs> maybe this isn't the best place to express all of my emotions in this moment. Okay, I'm going to go home and take care of myself. Um, you know, maybe in this moment with my partner, this is my, where I go. I'm like, I just need to express these emotions right now, which is the worst thing to do in front of my partner. Right. And it, and it's like, yeah, maybe I don't need to actually go there. Um, maybe I can, I can, um, really be with that uncomfortability of not expressing it at this moment. And then feeling into like what do i need to 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 discharge and to move through on my own without requiring someone else to be a part of that process mm. um, and requiring them to take on the emotional um what do they call that the emotional uh burden the emotional burden yeah yeah absolutely well that's a different episode that's a <laughs> Okay. The a boundaries episode, I think. <laughs> we already did one of those. So if you're interested, go tune back in there. But for now, let us go ahead and, and bring this to a close with uh, a couple of things that you can stay tuned for. We gave you a lot of information today. So if you have any other questions, if you've got any comments or insights that you would like to share, you can go ahead and post them on our Facebook page, Shaman Sister Sessions, or send us an email, shamansistersessions at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. We also have our awesome new website. I believe we announced it last episode, but we'll go ahead and, and throw it in there again. We finally have a website for our podcast that's been going on for like a year and a half, and it is Shaman Sister Sessions at, no, shamansistersessions.com. That's it. I'm so saying our email address shamansistersessions.com and there you'll find links to all of our past episodes on youtube itunes and stitcher so you can go ahead and watch and listen to any of our previous content we've got all of our episodes up on youtube itunes and stitcher and next week we have a discussion on science and spirituality that'll be episode 58 science and spirituality you can tell i'm already excited about this one because i announced it right at the beginning like it just popped out of my mouth science and um this is something that i have a lot of fun with and uh and kat i know you've had a lot of experience overlapping with this in in different ways in your field as well so we'll be tuning into that anything yeah. else 
Any updates, Kat? Um, just uh, Light Warrior Retreat is March 17th and 18th here in Southern California. And it's going to be an amazing retreat for business masterminding and uh, receiving nurturing healing work and working on spiritual progress in relationship to our mission on the planet. And uh, it's just going to be so much fun. We're going to have an amazing time. And so if you're interested in joining for the Light Warrior Retreat, just reach out to me and we'll have a conversation about how you can join in this incredible collective of shamans and healers and coaches and people who are looking to bring their work to the next level. Mm -hmm. I'll be there. Woo. And uh, one note for those of you interested in my I am alchemy work. I know I've mentioned a couple times on this podcast. I am still accepting applications for the next two and a half weeks or so. I've got a few spots to fill in this work. This is a year-long certification training course in the art and science of personal transformation. This is teaching in-depth look into alchemy. And in, in case you're wondering more about alchemy, we did an episode on that a few weeks ago. I also just taught my most recent masterclass on alchemy, uh, alchemy of the soul. And this is applicable for any practitioner in the field, whether you're a healer, a shaman, a coach, a body worker, a grief worker, uh, any energetic practitioner in some capacity will benefit from learning these tools and techniques to amplify and increase their expertise of their own modality and practice. So please go ahead and contact me if you're interested. That's, again, my I Am Alchemy work, and we'll jump on a call to see if this might be a good fit for you. So thank you. Thank you so much. We've got, oh, thank you. You're amazing, sisters. Also, one last thing is that Michelle will be in the Southern California area in March. So we will be offering a very limited number of duo sessions, which is both of us working with you at one time, which is ridiculous and fun and amazing. So if you're interested in tuning in with us about that work, just reach out and we will uh, see if we can't uh, make that happen for you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure to offer our work to you and we'll see you next week on Tuesday at one o'clock Pacific time for science and spirituality. Bye. Bye.